Hello, I'm Professor Calvin Harris, the resident scientist for Codec Moments with overall responsibility for podcast editing. I would like to sincerely apologise for the late posting of this episode, which was originally recorded on the 4th of March, with some pickups recorded on the 21st of March this year. I appreciate it's now a month and a half later than originally intended. I could make up some boring excuses about illness in the family, or having to do accounts and taxes, but instead I'm going to let you hear what really happened. Well, Brian, it's the 5th of March, and the Codec Call podcast has been edited in record time. That seems like unnecessary exposition, Professor. Speaking of which, that experiment you've been working on is ready to go. Well, perhaps we should quickly run the experiment and then post this podcast online. Right or Professor. In you get. Theorising that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Professor Calvin Harris stepped into the quantum leap accelerator and vanished. He woke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Brian, an observer from his own time who appears in the form of a glove puppet that only Kelvin can see and hear. And so, Professor Harris finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. Professor, I've been trying to find you for almost two weeks. But I've only just arrived, Brian. Ziggy says it's a temporal anomaly. It's the 20th of March here, and that podcast hasn't been uploaded because I don't have your WordPress password, Professor. Wait, that's not my mirror image. I appear to have leapt into Matt from Codec Moments. How very convenient, Professor. Ziggy reckons there's a 90% chance you'll leap if you convince them to record some more links on the 21st of March and leave me your login details. Now where am I? Wait, I appear to have leapt into Andy from Codec Moments. Slight problem, Professor. It's now April 25th and I've still not uploaded that podcast because I forgot to write your login details down. Ziggy reckons you'll leap if you get them to record even more links to explain that after all the smoke PlayStation fanboys criticised Xbox for talk of forwards compatibility with the Universal Windows platform, the PlayStation Neo was leaked. Also, he says they made a salient point speculating about the possibility that UWP could allow the 360 to have forwards compatibility, uh, and then Microsoft discontinued it. Oh yeah, and it's been so long since they recorded it that Matt actually has a child now, which he didn't at the time. Oh, f*** that for a laugh. I'll just write my password down and we'll post it as is, Brian. True story.
So just to explain, uh, we recorded a podcast on the 4th of March, right? Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Codec Call, the CodecMoments.com podcast. Uh, how are you? I'm Andy Brown, at Clinical Andy on Twitter, and with me today is Dr. Matthew Holt. Hello. And I'm at Codec Moments on Twitter. <laughs> how you doing, Doctor? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, you've got a creaky chair there. I have a bit of a creaky chair and... You need to oil them. Oil a wooden chair? Well, tighten the nuts up or something. It's it's a bit squeaky. Just stop shaking your ass. And today is? The 21st of March. Yes. So, apologies. Um, I'd had every intention of uh, us producing a podcast and getting out there. Uh, but the day after we recorded, um, basically our, my entire family was taken ill with... Um, a nasty viral thing that turned into a respiratory infection. Uh, so we've all been in and out of the doctors for a week or so. Um, yeah, I'm glad you didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad because I saw you the day before uh, and your poorly wife, and we were just glad we didn't pick it up. I'd, on the Wednesday after that, I was uh, I was a, a hair's breadth from being admitted to hospital myself because my temperature was nearly 40 degrees my blood pressure and heart rate were sky high as a result of that, and um, not good. I got a, I got a massively high dose of antibiotics, which did actually sort me out eventually. So that was uh, that was good. Um, but as a result, I didn't get it edited for the week. We thought, well, I know what we'll do. We'll record some pickups and we'll add a little bit extra. And uh, we set aside a night to do it. And then my daughter bumped her head at the childminders, and um, I had to take her to hospital that evening because she was violently ill. Yeah, it's not been a not been a great time. No, no. And then with birthdays um, and other bits and pieces and more hospital trips. Thankfully, not for my daughter, but for um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> for my girlfriend, we ended up spending a day in hospital, um, which was all. It's all good, but um, unexpected, and so we couldn't do anything that weekend. So now we are twenty first Monday night, and we are doing it. So nearly three weeks later, this is the Codec Cold podcast brought to you by the NHS. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so bear with us. So if, if there's changes in audio quality as we go, I do apologise about that. But it is because I am now sat in the world's hottest hotel room in Dundee. There's a vent or a fan somewhere near me that I can't turn off. Um, I haven't got the aircon on to try and keep noise down. And I can't open the windows uh, because there's actually air conditioning vents right below my window for for one of the other public areas, I think. So, um, I'm sweltering. <laughs> well, we don't need to know you're recording this in your pants. No, <laughs> we didn't until then. <laughs> right, so uh, we're going to crack on. In today's podcast, we've got some really interesting stuff. We've got a bit about what we've been playing. Uh, we've got an interview with uh, Jeremy Dunham, who's the VP of Marketing and Communications at Psionics, and they're the people behind Rocket League. Yeah, um, that's, that's really interesting, is that? I like that. It's going to be good. That we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the PlayStation VR announcement. Um, we're going to be talking about some Microsoft stuff, the UWP. <laughs> oh, nice! Uh, and we recently ran a competition to give away a copy of Hitman: The Full Experience. So um, we'll be announcing the lucky winner of that. Shall we crack on? Yeah, let's do it. So following on from last, 
I was going to say month's episode from the last episode. So yeah, let's find out what people were talking about after the last one. Okay, well, um, on the last podcast, we got a Morse code message from Mike Tack, uh, which was awesome. And uh, we put out feelers and said, uh, you know, if you want to send us another message in Morse code, do so. That'd be good. And we got one on Twitter. I got one on Twitter directly. Did you? What was it? It was from uh, it was from the lovely Boss Wave podcast's uh, very own Nat. Excellent. Um, who simply wrote in Morse code, "Dick." Now I don't know oh. if that's I don't oh. know personally. I don't know if that's an insult aimed at me or whether he's just reiterating an abbreviation of his first name, uh, Richard. It could well be. But yeah, that was nice. So that led to um, that led to a trading of um, Morse code insults on Twitter, which. <laughs> <laughs> GCHQ must have had a field day with. So thanks very much for that. I was say, at least we did start getting some more messages. We That's great. <laughs> we did. Uh, so that was good fun. Anything on anything you're ordering on Twitter? Uh, no, just um, lots of feedback on the code at Momentum over the last month. We'll we'll get to the finishes later, but um, everybody's been quite vocal. Definitely giving us updates this month and and chatting to us quite a bit about how they're doing or how they're not doing. Okay, so um, in the nearly three weeks since we recorded the bit about Codec Momentum, um, God, Matt, I have one week off. I have one week off. And what have you done? I didn't do anything. What is hashtag Finishergate? Our community spoke. It, our um, community didn't shut up. I know, in fairness, there was lots of commentary from our community, which which I've got to say I loved. I love that the community have taken this on um, and are owning it. Um, we're, we're here to finalise it. Um, yes, Nick Hulk, who's been a massive supporter of Codec Momentum since the beginning, put in um, his pledge to be a finisher on Star Fox on the 3DS. And he but Matthew, that it. has no trophies or achievements. It had no tro- trophies or achievements. Um, and he finished it and sent us a photo of it. And because there were no trophies, achievements, 100% finishing screen, stack completion, anything like that, we had to ask the question, should it really be qualifying as a finisher? And our view is it's it's a straightforward code at momentum. He's made the effort to finish the game, but finishing the game is all there is and there's nothing to go above and beyond. So that threw in quite a big, big debate. Nick is understandably saying, well, hang on, I finished it. Everybody chipping in saying, oh, you've not done more than there is available. Um, it's probably been a little bit confusing, a little bit hectic over a couple of days. So for it to be a finisher, it has to be something that is above and beyond just simply finishing the story mode of a game. If we take something like uh, Grand Theft Auto, for example, finishing the story mode of that game is nowhere near a hundred percent of the actual total of things that you can do and a hundred percent it will be classed as finisher because you've gone well above and beyond something like the walking dead which if you complete all of the episodes in a season you get a platinum trophy or your maximum gamer score there's nothing else you can do but finish that game and it gives you that so unfortunately that couldn't be classed as a finisher but would be a code at momentum something like avatar the last airbender um, where you get a thousand gamer score for for basically doing one move for thirty seconds or something ridiculous like that, that that wouldn't count. No, no. Anything that might be classed as against the spirit of Codet Momentum and the finisher, that's something we couldn't include. 
Which does bring us on to um, a submission from our own Stuart Cullen. So he had put through a finisher for Far Cry Primal. He's done the full 100%, got his total gamer score for it. Unfortunately for Stu, he submitted his pledge to do it after he'd finished the game itself and got that 100%. Um, in this instance, and we're having to be really clear about this, you must pledge in advance of starting that completion run. You can't finish a game and then submit to say you were going to do it because that's just a little bit against the... Again, it's against the spirit of it. It's about providing momentum to finish a game, not finishing one and then saying, oh, I've done it. So let's make one thing really clear out of this. So the two examples, the finisher gate piece and the um, uh, submitting after finishing, we're still classing these as coded momentums. Um, we really love the support. It's great that people are taking part and are actually going to these efforts to finish the games. It's just for the strict part of our competition rules which um, leads to Andy sticking his hand in his pocket each month we just have to be clear on what finisher means is is this an inherent problem with the marketing of it Matthew I mean we, we're calling it finisher is is it perhaps actually that people are misunderstanding that because they well I've finished the game you know do we do we need to look at that is there something else we could call it um no I think that I think the name is fine um, what we might just do is we might put a couple of examples in the detail of it in the web page, just so it's really clear. Okay, thank you. well, thank you for that update. Um, if you've if you've been affected by the issues contained within this broadcast, then please don't forget to get in touch with us on Twitter or via our Facebook community group. And if you have any questions on any of the Code of Momentum, you can visit the page. Um, it's main link, uh, but it's. Uh, codecmoments.com forward slash momentum 2016 um, and there are also if you want to search for our terms and conditions which do apply to every competition that we run. Okay, so that's that's finisher gate. It is, but whilst we're on competitions can I mention yeah. one that we'd have run in the three weeks since we first recorded? Oh yeah, that's a good idea, yeah. yeah. So, Hitman came out and we decided that we were going to give away a code for the full experience of the game and we ran a follow and retweet competition on Twitter and a like competition on Facebook um, probably did that for about three days, had loads of people enter and um, we actually increased our followers by a huge amount so thanks to everybody who uh, joined in and hopefully some of you even listening to this podcast now but we could unfortunately only have one winner and that winner was the Gamer Dude 100 Awesome name it is. I mean, it's no sharp pabs. No, no, it's not, unfortunately. But it's an awesome name, awesome competition winner. And um, we've had a bit of backwards and forwards on um, Twitter direct messaging. And we really appreciate it. He's really enjoyed it. And um, I'm glad that we could make his day when we sent him that code. Cool. Well, yeah, thank you very much for entering GamerDude100 and everybody else who did. Yes, and uh, keep an eye on it because we will always try and give something away when we uh, when we get the opportunity. Just on a follow-up to the, the, we did a piece on best DLC ever. Yeah. Um, and it kind of inspired me. It was uh, Andrew Epic Aitchison uh, talking about Super Ultra Dead Rising 3 Arcade Remix Hyper Edition X Plus Alpha. 
The Super Ultra Dead Rising 3 Arcade Remix Hyper Edition EX Plus Alpha. Oh, nice take on the X there. I like that. Um, yet so inspired was I, I bought Dead Rising 3. <laughs> and is it good? It's all right. Yeah, yeah. it's... it's it's what it is. What it is. It's you're running. Not... It's running down zombies with a lawnmower. Oh, well, <laughs> in that case, then it's bound to be one. I did. I did enjoy the others. Um, when we finish recording, if we've got ten minutes left, I might go and have a look. Yeah, I think have that's, a play. It's probably good fun. I'm. I'm pleased I didn't pay full price for it. Yeah. Um, I picked up a copy, like, like a game of the year edition. I can't remember exactly. A pocket oh, something edition, which was cheap and had DLC on it. Yay. Why not? Why not? Mowing yeah. down zombies is always good. Always good. Uh, so I'm rather enjoying that. And uh, any any purchases from you? I mean, do we uh, do we jump into the next segment? Do it. Yeah. So in terms of what I've been playing, the only purchase in the last month has been Far Cry Primal. How is that? Really good. Really good. Um, we we were both big fans of Far Cry Three. And it's fair to say we were both a little disappointed with Far Cry Four. It was a it was a good game, um, but it it perhaps wasn't the it uh, wasn't the leap on. Do you know it was it was exactly what I wanted. It had all the mechanics. It was um, it was great fun to play. But actually, I felt the story in Far Cry Three was better, and the the protagonist in Far Cry Four just uh, was a little bit boring and bland. As far as I was yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no. Uh, he was no Jason Brody, was he? No, no, by no means. Um, and and for all its failings, that's where Far Cry Four let itself down. I think the the story and the not much of a surprising twist at the end, the way it took it. So, Primal, I was a bit, bit unsure about. Um, and from a story perspective, they've just stripped it right back. It's obviously set ten thousand BC. It's, um. Was it Neolithic period? I'm not entirely sure. My my history is not that good. <laughs> is, is the story basically "Ugh, need food, I kill mammoth"? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. that, that is that is pretty much. I love Ugh. Bad bad people kill tribe. You kill them. <laughs> really simple. Go make a spear. Go stab that thing. Um, and that's all it is. But it it just works really well for being so basic, so simple. A beautiful environment to explore, um, and of course, you you've got no transport unless you class a saber toothed tiger as transport, which well, is actually very very cool when you start riding I, those around. I do definitely yeah. class that as transport. Yeah, absolutely. But the map is pretty much the same size as the previous games, but you're on foot, so it takes a lot longer to traverse. Now, same size or exactly the same? Yeah, let's get this straight because we've read a couple of news stories this week um, of people who've gone, oh, look, it's exactly the same map as Far Cry 4. It's taken people two weeks to figure this out, that actually the same basic layout is there. However, if you've played Far Cry 4, you will not recognise the environment at all. You won't. But it works. It's such a really nicely put-together game. Very simple. A lot of fun. Um, and I'm aiming to get the review done in the next couple of days. Excellent. No, that sounds good. I, I, it I'm, is. I'm really, I've been so close to buying it. And I've bought a lot of things this week. But I've been very close to buying it. It's, it's worth the time. Um, maybe 20 to 22 hours of story in it as well. So it's a good length. That's not lacking then. No, no. And it's the usual Ubisoft open world. So there are ridiculous amounts of collectibles to go for as well. <laughs> okay. 
Um, what else? What else have you played? What else have you done? Um, I did after our guest visit last month or mid month. Hello. Reviewed. It is I, Sebastian. I'm back, and my outrageous French accent has returned. <laughs> I have to say, Seb, you're not exactly what I expected in real life. No, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, the review of Seblo um, Rally Evolution is up, or oh, Rally Evo, I think it is. I've, you know what? I've even forgotten the name, and it's only been two weeks. Um, I, I, and I blame it on the fact I've been watching lots of Colin McRae videos this week and lots of um, footage of the game that's coming at the beginning of April and I can't wait for that, that looks phenomenal um, so I'm putting Seb to the back and I'm not really interested anymore Okay. Um, and then Hitman Go surprise oh, yes. uh, yeah surprise, I think the announcement came the day after we recorded the last podcast uh, that uh, it was coming to PS4, Vita and PC so that came out, the lovely Square Enix PR people sent us a code Three hours later, platinum in hand. Um, <laughs> it's it's not, not a long game, then. Not a long game. But anybody who's played the mobile version will know that. Anybody who heard the Prof and Brian's review of it will know it's not a long game, but it's a lot of fun. And it's just well worth picking up and playing. For the record, I bloody loved it. You did? So, it got another good score, obviously, with the review. Um, and, we, yeah, thoroughly recommend it as a an abstract assassination simulator uh, to get you up to speed. Well, not even get you up to speed, but just to get you used to the way 47 looks before the new game comes out in a week's time. It's like murder, but with Sabutio. Thanks, Brian. Right. That sums it up perfectly, Brian. Okay. <laughs> right, brilliant. Okay. Um, so, uh, oh, now then, looking at the notes, one other thing you've got here. Well, I haven't played this yet. Have you um, not? No, no, but I want to, after reading all about it. Um, because we got invited down to a preview event um, for a little indie game called Stickbold. We didn't go. And we didn't go. We couldn't because, go. Because we love being invited to these things, but unfortunately schedules and locations and things like that mean we can't always attend them. Um, it's but the, the same reason we're not at Double Eleven today. It is, because we really wanted to. Well, we still do really want to go and see those guys. Mm. Um but anyway, Stickbolt is a dodgeball game, which looks like a full-on pastiche of 1970s sports cliches. Um, I've got sent a load of um, information on it. It looks like a lot of fun. If you head to the website, there's a, a small piece on it telling you what the game's about, what it looks like, and a video as well. It, it just, I suspect it will be insane four-player couch co-op competitive it, action when it does come out. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does look it, and it'll be probably quite nuts. Um, good, good. So, speaking of couch co-op, um, I played Action Hank. And what did you think of that? Do you know? I really enjoyed it. Actually, it's it's kind of like I think I described it in my review as um, being like Trials HD meets Sonic the Hedgehog meets Toy Story. I say I described it in my review. Actually, that's how the developers describe it. <laughs> But it's a great description. It sounds that sounds like just a lot of fun. It's pretty good. It's about an action figure from the nineties who um, was toy of the year once and has since put on a bit of weight. Sounds familiar. Someone steals his award, so he's got to go after it. And it's um, it's basically if you imagine what was the uh, what was the like the Hot Wheels? 
Oh, the hot, yeah. Hot Wheels races and the tracks. Yes. So it's like somebody's taken a load of um, a load of blocks and various other toys and, and Hot Wheels races tracks and um, strung it all together to make courses for him to run down. And it's it's good fun. You build up speed going downhill by sliding on your bottom. It's great. <laughs> Can you make your own tracks? Now, interestingly enough, it's uh, it's a port of a game that's been out on the PC, Mac and Linux for, oh, since May last year. Right. And in that, there's a level editor, but it's not on the console version. So oh. um, let's hope Curve get it there. Oh, that'd be, that'd be that'd, awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it sounds like, um, it sounds like I've, I've read your review, and it sounds like from that, it, it, it's the type of game that thrive on it. It's good, but the one thing it has got is, um, is up to four-player local co-op. Oh, nice. Yeah, which is um, quite good as you'll slide down the same track and um, try and keep up with each other. That that does look good fun. So maybe we should pop that on a bit as well. Yeah, have another go at that. Excellent. Uh, so that was, that's fun. I've just I've done that thing again where I've played a little bit of a lot of things. Yeah? Go um, on then. Give us a rundown of you. What's your... Because I can see there's quite a big list here. What's your top three? Top three? Uh, oh, well, I've been playing Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's is very that, good. Is that Lars. number one? Number one of your top three? Oh, it's, it's good. It's right. very good. You see, the original Tomb Raider, I bought the definitive edition on the PS4, mm-hmm. and it took me ages to get into it. Because if you remember, I, I was a it was a codec of momentum. Oh yes, it of was mine it? then, yeah. um, and I struggled to get into it until a point about halfway through the game when it suddenly all started to fit together and um, and un, you know everything started to unlock and and carry on. And Rise of the Tomb Raider is brilliant. It's very similar. Lara's a bit more assured of herself, um, and everything seems to come together a lot more quickly. There's a lot more optional tombs, a lot more things to to do, and I I burnt through Tomb Raider because yeah. I was kind of trying to trying to get it finished, and because I was a little bit ugh, not sure about this. Yeah, I burnt through this one. I'm, it's taken me ages because I'm doing all the optional extras. Because um, when you do the optional tombs and when you do the side quests and the other missions for people, you get you get things like skills unlocked or weapon parts unlocked, or so, so useful. Yeah, useful yeah. stuff like that. So by doing a side mission, I've just unlocked a silencer for my rifle. I had no idea that's what was going to happen. Yeah, but it just that. That kind of thing is really spurring me on to do all these optional bits oh, now. Nice. It's, it's taken me ages to get through, but I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to coming to PS4 at the end of this year. Yeah. I really am. Um, yeah, what can I say? What can I say? Just enjoy it now. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I am enjoying yeah. it now. Yeah, but the version will come with all the DLC, everything, and I'll it be will like, do. Oh. And if things go to plan as usual, I'll, I'll probably finish it before you do. Um, so, uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Such a anyway. So yeah, number two, it's probably true. Um, number number two, I I bought Transformers Devastation. Right, really? Yes, <laughs> I did. Now, can I just put something out there? Yeah. Can people stop tweeting me links to cheap games? <laughs> you spending far too much money. Nick Nick Hulk, um, Nick Hulk sent me a link saying, "Oh look." Transformers Devastation, less than a tenner. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Oh. And um, and Charlie, um, Charlie Large, and Charlie Large uh, from the Visa Lounge also uh, put out a tweet this week saying that Mad Max on PS4 was available on Shop Two for less than fifteen quid. So that's another one that's on the pile of shame. 
Oh, that, but that's a that, really yeah. good one to have on the pile of shame. Yeah, so uh, I haven't picked that. I haven't even popped that one. Well, no, actually, that's a lie. I have put it in. I've downloaded the updates, but I just haven't played it. Yeah, I, I want to go back and do some more stuff in that one. It's so, good. Uh, so, yeah, so Transformers Devastation. Yes, we're well, back to that. Sorry. Um, it's a really good game. It's Platinum Games. Um, so it's kind of a hack and slash. Hmm. Um, you know, you've got the dodge mechanics. You've got the special moves and stuff. But with Transformers. Oh, it's great. It's really good. It's um, it's the proper Generation 1 80s cartoon style. And the guy who did the music for the Transformers movie is back doing that. So it sounds pretty good. The only thing it's lacking is the, the robots in disguise <laughs> theme, um, which is a real shame. But it's it's awesome. All right. I had uh, good things about it. Um, uh, no, that's good to know because we did do... Um, oh, was it? Transformers Rise of the Dark Spark, which we reviewed on <laughs> PS4 about a year, maybe two years ago. And Didn't like that, did you? It did it get the worst review score we've ever it was such a horrible game. I, I, even even my brother was asking me last night, what games do you recommend <laughs> on PS4? And I was going through a pile of stuff and I found that. I just showed it to him and says, I'm not even gonna give you this. If I do, <laughs> you take it on my microwave. It, it's that bad. Anyway. <laughs> It's that bad. That, was it? Was it a proper press copy? Yes. Did not trade it. No, I can't. Oh. Get, I can't get rid of it. I'm gonna go and wang it out in the snow when I get home or something with it. What about Give the game? Give it to a magpie. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, come on. What's your third game? Then? Right, my third game. Um, anyway, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a oh, minute. Oh, sorry, sorry. Am I moving wait too fast? Wait Platinum Games. Yes. What else have they done? Metal Gear Rising: Revenge of the See, it was worth it, wasn't it? This is where you promo. <laughs> we promo the price that we haven't figured out how we're going to give away yet. That's exactly it. <laughs> okay. So with that tenuous link, we will figure out a way to give this away, but we do have a limited edition Metal Gear Rising Revenge T-shirt. Yes, a Metal Gear Rising... A Metal Gear... Yes, a Metal Gear Rising Revenge Runes t-shirt yeah we'll stick a photo of it up with the podcast um it is unworn unwashed still got labels on it um found in the bottom of a wardrobe (laughs) so i was clearing stuff out two weeks ago i just looked and went oh i'm gonna give a lucky listener that um we just need to figure out how to give it away let's come back to that one later though okay okay so uh, come back to that one in a bit and the other things i've been playing uh edf edf uh defense force 4.1 i'm glad you got that in quickly Yes, not English Defence Force, as Nick Case suggested on Facebook. <laughs> what? Oh, no. Um, yeah, EDF, Earth Defence Force. Um, giant ants and spiders start to take over the world's major cities. You go in, blow them up. I know it's been a guilty pleasure of yours for years as this series. Fabulous. Fabulous. I've still never never played it. So good. The sound is atrocious. It, it looks... I mean... If I were to say it looks last generation, that is a compliment for an EDF game. <laughs> um, you know, things just blow up all over the place. You kill a giant spider, it just turns into a big box, which has got armor in it. It's amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's just brilliant. It is brilliant. It's so bad, it's good. It really is. It's fabulous. I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah. And then just worth mentioning is um, SimCity Build It. Just oh, like the mobile okay. game, yeah. My wife and I both became obsessed with it while we were on holiday. Honestly, and it's good. 
No, it's terrible. It's, oh. it's, it's, oh, I'm disappointed because no. I am a, I am a secret city planner it's, in it's, my spare time. It's basically one of those, um, you know, just put things down and then wait for them, you know, wait for cash to be generated or, oh, you know, stuff to be done. No. And, and not like a Simpsons tapped out kind of thing. It's, it's not quite that tappy. Oh. But it is, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really bad, but we're both just cumulatively we probably spent an entire week on it <laughs> it's, it's addictive even if it is bad then but you have yep. just made me realize mobile game wise there's something i have played which i forgot to put on here oh what's that i've played an awful lot over the last week of fallout shelter oh yeah they've put an update out um but i, I just went back to it and then found that they'd added animal companions all right and i was given a free cat oh that's nice it's radiation resistant Always helps. It was very handy. So he's out foraging for me at the moment. And and it, yeah, it, I forgot how much fun it is just building your own little vault and dealing with the dwellers. And I, I've solved my population problem. It was getting drastically out of control. There were just children left, right and centre. Oh my God, what have you done? Same-sex dorms. It's it's killed it. It's fantastic. I'm a steady 174 population now because of the max of 200. I thought you were about to say you'd done something really horrific with all the children. <laughs> well, I'll put them all in the entrance and let the death claws in. <laughs> Not the younglings. <laughs> okay, so um, it's seeing it's been so long since we spoke about those games and what we've been playing, we thought we'd do a little bit of an update. Um, yeah, the week after we recorded that, what was released, Matthew? Hitman. Hitman. Yeah, it was. And it's that game that we've been waiting so long for. Yes, very much. Um what did you think? Well, I, I actually stayed up till midnight waiting until the clock ticked over on my purchase so that I could start playing. Oh, crikey, I didn't. I felt rotten. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I thought, no, I, I'm going to do this. And so um, I did the tutorials on the night and then I went to bed and got up, went to work the following day, got home from work and put Paris on. Um, and I spent about an hour and a half really, really enjoying it. And I got to the end of it and went, oh, is that it? I was a little bit disappointed. Um, it's phenomenal, but I just wanted more to do. I've got to admit, I felt the same. I um, I played through the tutorials a couple of times. Um, bearing in mind, I'd already played them almost to death as the beta. I think I, I played them really more just to unlock the challenges. Yeah. Um, and then I played through Paris... Once or twice. I mean, my mastery level shot right up, but what I'd unlocked didn't really inspire me to keep playing that. Um, did the one escalation mission that was available. Did a couple of contracts. Found that rather disappointing, if I'm honest, at the moment. Oh, it's it's just it's missing a search function. Or being able to send your contract to a friend. That is just yeah. That was half the fun of that was half the fun of the contracts mode in Absolution was that we we spent so much time and effort trying to best each other in contracts, and yeah. you just can't do that here. No, no. The featured contracts barely change. Um, when I checked them last night, which is two weeks after launch, nearly, um, they don't appear to have altered. They still seem to be pretty much the same. I think there's an extra one or two on there, but most of them look to be the same. The latest contracts only show you about 10 or 12. Um, people are creating them all the time, so they don't appear for much more than a couple of hours. Um, you can't search for them. If you find one you like and want to go back to, you've no chance if you've come out of it. 
the the whole system is just badly implemented. Which is really disappointing. I'm really disappointed that we're here saying these things about it because it is it's probably the one game I've been looking forward to for years. Yeah. Um and don't get me wrong, it's it's good. It's very good. Um and it's certainly a return to blood money kind of standards of level design and you know oh. that that sandbox it exceeds blood money it's it is unbelievable how much freedom you have and um what the different opportunities bring and what you can do even if you just ignore the opportunities it's just i was just disappointed in the a <laughs> bad pun execution of it <laughs> and that i've got to wait over four weeks for another level that there's been no elusive targets put into it yet, which was a big thing they were talking about, and we're now, like I say, coming up to two weeks since release, and there's been nothing. Um, they have put in a couple of extra escalation contracts, which is good. Um, they have patched it once to deal with some connection issues, and that patching has knackered all DLC. So if you've got any pre-order bonuses, none of those work anymore. Oh what! Oh, didn't know. You see that, but I mean, this probably speaks volumes. Is that I haven't been back and played it after that initial weekend, um, because I picked up the division. Now well, I expected to have a couple of days playing the division and then put it to one side because of Hitman, and it's it's been the other way around. Yeah, and we talked about it, and I I would have put it on one side to play something else, which which we'll come to in a bit, but. I have picked it back up um, over this weekend. I've started doing some of the contracts. I'm really making an effort to get in there and try and 100% master the Paris level. And it's as I've got into done that and got more and more used to the mechanics that I'm enjoying it more and more. But I still want another play area. I want another mission. And I'm not sure I'm going to be content with waiting until September for everything to come out. Yeah, and let's you know, let's be honest. This was this was always going to be the issue with um, an episodic release. You know that perhaps we shouldn't be disappointed in that. I think there's been a bit of a difference between knowing that's what's going to happen and feeling like you've only been given a game that's enough to fill a few hours, and then you've got to wait a month. I think I think if the contracts mode worked in that you could search and challenge and there were more live events going on I'd be more into it and more eager to boot it up and find out what was new and because that's not there it's not enticing me to go back as much as I thought it would so what your what your issue is is actually is it's perhaps not it's perhaps not the content so much as the incentive yeah you know there's no um there's no interactivity with the with the community you know once you've once you've made a contract it just seems to disappear into the ether whereas actually in absolution at least you could track it who was playing it um which of your friends had the high score you could go back and try and beat you know beat their high score if they've bested you absolutely it I've, i've i've made a contract um i know three people have played it and nobody will ever play it again because it just it won't appear on any screen anywhere. It's disappointing. It is really disappointing. Um, don't get me wrong. It is a very good game. 
Um, we have reviewed it on the site. It's not strictly a review. We're going to withhold an actual review score until September, till all the parts are out. But it's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge to really big it up because there are so many things that I think should have just been done better at launch. Well, there you go. So that's um, that's Hitman. Uh, check it out on the website now. It's codecmoments.com. Uh, what? <laughs> looking at the show notes now, I watched you stream some of the next game, and it looks mad, mad as a box of frogs, but yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's good fun. It's called Stick Bold. Um, I actually, you know, I haven't bothered checking this out. I don't know if Stick Bold actually is Danish for dodgeball. Um, but that's what it is. It's a dodgeball game. Um, done as a pastiche of 70s sportsmen um, but just a lot of fun it's a very very simple twin stick sports game where you play dodgeball two on three three on three um, and it, it's just mental just fantastically daft graphics story everything it, it's good it's good there's a, there's a full preview up on the site with the video footage um, that I streamed and it's it's well worth just going to have a read through and a look at if you're interested in that type of obscure European madness. Love it. And another another fantastic game coming out of Copenhagen. We've got to love that. Oh um, yeah. yeah. We've we've just dissed the major studio in Copenhagen, but we can uh, we can pick up the tiny ones. <laughs> um oh, I love that city. Anyway, right, okay. So stick bold, it it just it yeah it looked like great fun. It, uh, your the hour or so I watched you playing it has kind of convinced me that I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, and I hope you do because I want to try the multiplayer out because it's it's preview code that we've had, so um, not everything is is functioning yet. Um, although, and mind you, I have to a bit of a confession: I didn't actually try the online multiplayer. I assume the local multiplayer would work, um, but I can imagine the multiplayer being the the madcap part of this and quite quite hectic quite intense um and i've got to say being a theme that we keep coming back to over the past few months uh it looks like it'd be great for couch co-op oh it'd be it's perfect for that it feels like it's built for that um so i'm looking forward to next time we get together to actually record one of these in person i think we should have a game definitely if you if your broadband were up to speed we'd try some share play <laughs> but but it's not <laughs> we could try it, but I think we'd end up being disappointed. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. The last time I tried SharePlay, it just said, no. <laughs> that was with Shadow Warrior. No, I've tried it since uh, oh, since right. we had the, since we had the discussion about SharePlay and um, uh, everything else and, and co-op. Uh, I thought I'll give it another go, and it, it just went, no, not with your connection. <laughs> didn't, it didn't even let me in. Disappointing. Really disappointing. Yeah, really bad. Um, so also on the website, we have got a review of Legend of Zelda... Twilight Princess what? HD. which is Twilight Princess HD. Which has recently come out on the Wii U. Um, and it was nicely reviewed for us by um, Mr. Gareth Case at Grizzly Creedon on uh, Twitter, who uh, got in touch and said, would we like to have um, some Wii U reviews? And we said... Yes, please. Um, so it's from him. Well worth going and checking out. As an addendum, if you ever want to send us content, more than happy for it. Thanks. Yes, we, we never turn down free stuff. Oh, no, definitely not. Um, and then, really, I, instead of 
Tomb Raider, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, I've been playing The Division. Yeah. Go on, go on. Sell me on it. Because each time you sell me on these things, I go out and buy them. It is. One, do you know what? Once you can get over the fact that you line up a brilliant headshot with your with your fantastic rifle in, it doesn't necessarily kill someone in one go because that's a that's a modern gaming trope that I have deeply ingrained in me. It's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, Destiny Destiny meets Call of Duty, I guess, I suppose, is, is one way of looking at it. Um, really? Yeah, well, maybe... Can you imagine the hate mail I'm going to get now? Well, I was going to say, you, you <laughs> haven't sold me on it saying Destiny meets Call of Duty. It's no, maybe that's the wrong way of looking at it. it. It's brilliant. It's got it's got the RPG mechanic, um, and it's set in a a modern, in a dystopian New York. It looks beautiful. It does look very good. It you know it doesn't look as good as um, some of the CG that was put out for it, but it's a very nice looking game. And some of the some of the smoke and particle effects just look awesome. Uh, the gameplay, especially with um, other people, is brilliant. I've hooked up with a load of randoms playing when I've been on and off mic and, and that's been great. But actually when you're um when you're coordinating with somebody that you know and you you're actually able to talk to them properly, it's brilliant. Really, really good tactical shooter. I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. An awful lot of good things. I've been really, really tempted by it, but I've I just I've I've said to myself, I can't buy another Ubisoft game until I've played and finished Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Because that has been sat on my shelf for three months. I sat on my floor for three months. Well, get it done, because we, we want you in. So um, <laughs> I've been playing quite a bit with um, with Nick Case at All Fall Down with Zeros. Oh, he, he's changed his Twitter handle. Oh, is he? What is it now? He's at Haunted Crime. Makes sense. Because I keep thinking All Fall Down, and then it's only when I've been updating the momentums this month, I've gone, oh, he's changed his handle, and I couldn't work out if it was the same person or not. But it's the same picture. So okay, so he's he's haunted crime now. Well, I'm on on the PS4. I'm Furbles, F E R B L E S. So if you if you want to join us and you're playing the division, um, please do. I've I've not had a chance to play for about best part of a week now, so um, I'm probably lagging horribly behind most people. But um, no, it's it's been brilliant. Really, really good. Really good. Oh, good, good. I'm I'm glad because they've pinned a lot on it of Ubisoft. And it sounds like it's paid off. Yeah, and I think as long as they uh, as long as they continue to support it, and they've already tweaked quite a few things. I think they've upset people initially because they've um, they've seriously reduced the amount of Phoenix credits that you can get when you're in the end game. But you know, I, I'm not there yet, so I can't really comment on it personally. No, but um, it's no, it's good. It's good, and they seem to be listening to feedback. Excellent. Um, the only thing I will say is it's the usual Ubisoft NAT problems that I've got where I can't use in-game chat. Oh, like like we had with Rainbow Six? Exactly like with Rainbow Six. It's exactly the same. I have to party up with people. <laughs> That's so weird. And then it works fine. Yeah. Really, really so bizarre. Mm. That That's a strange problem. We might have to do some digging on that and see if we can figure it out. If anyone knows how to it. fix my NAT problems, let me know. Yes. Write to us. Contact hyphen us at codecmoments.com. Anything else there? No, I think that's no, about no, it. I, no, that's, I'll be honest, that's about it this month. And I've realised I said I'd finish Uncharted 3 from the HD collection. Um, and I haven't even got into got back into it yet. So I need to... Oh, it's Easter weekend coming up. That'll give me a bit of time to make some headway in it, hopefully. 
yeah, my my mother in law is coming to visit, so um, I'm going to get zero gaming done. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, right. So that's um, that's that. So in short, um, Hitman, Hit, Hitman, good execution, bad. Stick bold. Just just give, pick it up, give it a go. Stick bold, fun. And the division, just just go out and buy it. Okay. What's <laughs> yeah, next? Excellent. <laughs> right. <laughs> A little while ago, our Scottish correspondent, Stuart Cullen, was lucky enough to meet with Jeremy Dunham, who's the VP of Marketing and Communications for Psionics, who are the people behind Rocket League. Now, Rocket League was the spiritual successor to the awesomely titled Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Powered Battle Cars. That, that just screams 90s Japanese cartoon, doesn't it? Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Powered Battle Cars! All right, it needs a theme tune like that. It does. It does uh, need. A, I, I, I think it had a theme tune like that, didn't it? Might it? have done. I did play it, but it's been a few years. So um, basically, anything that comes from the people who brought us supersonic acrobatic rock power battle cars has got to be good. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a listen to the interview. We're going to actually, rather than chopping it up, we're going to play it in um, in pretty much as it came because it is it's really interesting. But I just want to hazard a little guess here. Matthew, do you think do you think this lady is a PR? I gave um, Jeremy the heads up that you wanted to talk about the recent announcement that's taken the whole industry by storm. I think she is. I, do you think? Do you think she might be? I'm I'm pretty sure. I'd, I'd be willing to put a fifty p bet on it. She's super on message. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so without further ado, here is Stuart Collins' interview with Jeremy Dunham. Well, obviously, we're here to talk about Rocket League. Where did the idea come from? Was it always a football game, or was it a racing game, or no, no, racing game, but car combat game? Well, Rocket League was is actually a sequel to um, a game from 2008 that we did called Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Powered Battle Cars, and uh, that game was uh, the result of really what was an accident because before Psionics had been working on a more traditional car combat game. And uh, the idea was to do something more along the lines of um, twisted metal, but not not necessarily with guns, but with power ups. It's kind of like twisted metal meets um, Mario Kart. Mario being closer to Mario Kart is probably a more accurate description, really. Uh, the the funny thing was is that they would do experiments every now and then to see what kind of new gameplay modes they could add to the game as they were working on it. And uh, one day, just just to see what would happen, they dropped a ball in there. And uh, they started messing around with it, and they were having more fun just playing with the physics of the ball than they were uh, doing their work for the day. And then they added goals, and they kept trying uh, new things with it. And then it actually started to slowly take over the studio's uh, playing habits. And after a few weeks of realizing they were spending more time playing this uh, makeshift soccer game uh, or football, depending on where you live, uh, that they wanted to make that one instead of the game that they were already making. So they stopped working on development on the previous version of the game and started moving towards uh, Rocket League full, I'm sorry, supersonic acrobatic rocket power battle cars full time and turning that into the game. And uh, the, the community for that was, uh, wasn't huge. It had about 2 million lifetime downloads before Rocket League came out. Um, but that was over about five years, but the community was uh, so dedicated and passionate that they were playing it all the time. 
And that, uh, so we realized that there was really something special there, that people were really interested in the game, and they kept coming back for more and more. And so Rocket League is really just um, the evolution of this game that we saw a really strong community get behind, and we took all the feedback that they gave us and all the information that we had gathered ourselves from uh, just from watching the game and playing the game over and over and over again and try to take all of that feedback and, and that's uh, put it into a single game, and that's what Rocket League became. Six months ago, or just back over six months ago, the release of the PlayStation version. You know, do you feel that maybe the move to PS Plus brought in a kind of envy feeling amongst the Xbox crowd? I.e., it was the game that everybody was loving, but we couldn't have. Um, I'm an Xbox player myself, so mm. I was in that group. Where would you you, you put your, your success down to? You know, I mean, what do you think's the captured the the, the kind of community in such a such a way you know well it's a bit of a two-part answer and that uh the thing that's captured the community is the fact that the game is fun to play and that was that was something that we had always believed in from the beginning that once people got a hold of it that they'd really enjoy it they'd understand it more because if you're just talking you're just talking about the game in front of somebody and saying this is football with cars a lot of it's it's kind of it's not as sexy as saying you know this is a shooter where you're in the middle of the future and you have all sorts of weapons or it's a platformer based on Mario. It doesn't have that same appeal to the general audience. Uh, but we knew that we had something that was really appealing and really fun once people gave it a chance. And so that was our strategy with PlayStation Plus is we wanted to get it in front of as many people as possible. And we were willing to forego any short-term monetary gain that we would have gotten by selling the game more traditionally on that platform and uh, instead wanted to essentially use that as a marketing tool, a viral tool, a way for us to reach out to as many people as we could because once they had it, we had enough confidence in the game that they'd get behind it. What we didn't expect was the number of people that did get behind it. We didn't we didn't think that uh, it would reach the levels that, that it reached. And in fact, when we were talking with Sony beforehand about how many players we should expect uh, to see based on past PlayStation Plus products and um, and just the, the the sort of behavior they've seen from other uh, from other games in the in the series, they 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 gave us advice for a much much lower player count, and it's it made sense to us. We didn't think that it would explode on the level that it did, and that's why when it first came out, that it it was so uh, so overwhelming in a lot of ways for us on on the server side because we were just shattering people's um, expectations of how many players were going to play this game at once, and that's after years and years of Sony experience understanding their PlayStation Plus audience and our own estimations uh, to the game. So that was both a pleasant surprise and and intentional, but definitely not on the level that it, that it reached. As far as keeping it from Xbox uh, players, that really wasn't um, a move that we were trying to do specifically to alienate uh, one audience or try to create some kind of anticipation with them. It was really just the fact that Rocket League was only created by about 10 to 15 people depending on what month it was and what kind of uh, resources we could spare from other projects we were working on. And uh, we couldn't make that many versions of the game. We just didn't have uh, the people to do it. So uh, it was easier for us to uh, begin development on PC, which is what we did, and using the tools of PlayStation 4, uh, port that over. Plus there was that lineage of the PS of the PlayStation audience that was already there since the first game, uh, Battle Cars, was already a PS3 title. So it was, it was a bit of a no-brainer for us in there in the PlayStation Plus program, and we have really good relationships. I personally used to work at Sony um, many years ago as part of the Zipper Interactive team, so uh, I had worked with a lot of people over there before, and uh, so had many some of our other people that worked at the company. And we, you know, it was really 
Um, they were really behind the game on top of that. So it was just one of those things that, that made a lot of sense for us at the time. We definitely wanted to bring it to as many platforms as possible. It's why it's on Xbox now. We always want it to be on Xbox. It's really just a matter of us getting it there and um, and still having it be a quality product. We didn't want to rush it just for the sake of having it. We wanted to live up to the same quality standards that we set on PC and PlayStation 4. I'm surprised Sony never thought about it being an exclusive to them after even just the success it had on Plus, you know. Yeah. Um, was that ever a, a thing on the table for yourselves? Uh, No, but if they had, we probably would have said no. Because we wanted as many people as possible to play the game. That that was that was our goal. We want as uh, the the original Battle Cars had a really dedicated audience, and it was on uh, the biggest platform um, that the team could support at the time, console wise on on PlayStation Three. But uh, we there's a, a lot of challenges in having an exclusive exclusive game on any platform, and that you're really limiting your audience. And so if you're only going to develop for one platform, you really need to do it for the right reasons. It, does it only make sense on this one platform because the platform has specific features that take advantage of the game uh, in a way that no other platform can? And at the same time, uh, if it does or doesn't, uh, is there enough? Does it make enough financial sense for you to release on only one platform uh, to, in order to to actively support it and and do the things that you need to do to keep the game going and the community going and and work on other projects? So. In today's climate, where the competition is so fierce, and there are so many uh, so many gamers out there using different platforms, I don't think it would have um, ever been a realistic consideration for us to to only leave it in one place. Do you see yourselves being a major standstead at esports, hopefully in the future? And linked to that, do you think there'll ever be a Rocket League World Cup? Uh, we definitely thought about esports. That absolutely. And uh, we have some really exciting, really ambitious plans uh, scheduled to uh, to roll out later this year. And we're going to be making announcements as soon as we can. Uh, and we're really excited about them. We've been building up to this point. We uh, we definitely think that esports for Rocket League makes a lot of sense. It's fun to watch. It's fun to play. There are some really elite players out there that can do things that we never even expected them to be able to do when we created the game. And, uh, and and having people who can do things like that it really makes the sport exciting and makes it uh, interesting. And the other thing that's a really big advantage for this game is that uh, it's not violent like a lot of other games that are uh, in the esports scene. It's not a shooter, so you can actually watch it on uh, television or you can watch it with uh, other people who uh, might not like violence or understand shooting games. Or you can watch it with your children because there's nothing that you have to, to guard them from. It's just straight-up football with... Uh, with vehicles, and uh, we think that that's a big advantage that we have. So we, the one thing we wanted to do though is we wanted to make sure that we did it right, and that we don't try to force it. Because you can't just say our game is esports now, and now everyone wants to play it because we said so. The community really has to get behind it and say that we want this to be an effective, uh, an effective league. We want it to be legitimate. We want to make sure that it, it holds up over time. And now we're in month eight of our release, and we think that it's shown that it can hold up. And our fans are, are have been demanding it for a long time, so it's definitely a direction we're moving towards this year. And uh, I think that you will definitely see some kind of live Rocket League championship of some kind before the end of the year. I hope that uh, when when it happens, that people are excited about it. We really want it to happen. Uh, hopefully, the fans will get us there. Is there ever going to be a, a weapon system in the game? Because there's always that occasion where you're just too far away for goal. 
where you can't jump, you can't boost, and you know if you had something, maybe a wee rocket, maybe 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 guns, maybe something, you could maybe stop that attacker dead in his path just before he scores. Well, we're never going to have guns in the game. I, I've I've stated that publicly several times from the very beginning, and uh, we're strong believers in that for the reasons I cited earlier, and that we want to be a nice family game. We want it to be easily accessible, easily uh, understandable, and also um, just because it works as a, as a football game doesn't necessarily mean that it'll also work as a, a, a car combat game, which is actually one of the things we moved away from originally was uh, not not having any shooting elements in there. That doesn't mean that we won't do other uh, potential things with the game. As, as you saw in December, we added a hockey mode with Snow Day, and we are always, uh, and with the uh, lab maps that we, that we uh, that's the working title, the Rocket Labs that we uh, recently released, there's uh, definitely other experimental things that we like to do where we're trying out new map configurations and, and other things. And we have the, the mutators that we released in December as well. Uh, and we think that those are just the first steps of taking Rocket League to other places. But we do a lot of internal play testing on potential modes and other things that we can do. And uh, it's, it's definitely some of them are definitely far beyond what we've already done with the existing game. And some of them are pretty close doesn't mean that a lot of them will ever come to public because part of part of what I think works so well for us as a studio is we really we really evaluate these modes and think about them and play them and and uh, don't we aren't of the mind that we should release it just because we we decided that it's a mode to try we really play the hell out of it and hope that it can reach a quality level that's as good or better than what we've already released so it's definitely in the plans and uh, you you are going to see more interesting things happen with Rocket League throughout the, the year, but uh, what that is, I, we ha- can't say yet. Do you see any of the lab stuff coming to the Xbox? I assume it will, because obviously the Xbox version is like only like two or three weeks old, mm-hmm. but it's got all the content that was on the PlayStation. A couple of things on this. The very next thing that we're bringing to, uh, to all platforms is the Batmobile that we announced earlier. The next major thing that we're going to do after that regarding the Xbox is we're going to bring it to parity with the PlayStation and PC versions. The reason uh, that they are even different to begin with is because uh, when you you create a game and you submit it to a console manufacturer like PlayStation or uh, Microsoft Xbox, there's a certain amount of certification time they need to go through where they test it and they say this is good and uh, meets their quality standards for the platform. So, which requires us to submit the game many, many weeks ahead of its release date. And because of that, uh, the version of Rocket League that was submitted on the Xbox is not as, uh, is not as up as new or current as the one on PC and PS4 because it's, uh, by the, for the nature of its submission, it's several weeks behind. Uh, but our plan is, is over the next, uh, let's see, what week are we in? Over the next seven to eight weeks, uh, we're going to be bringing the Xbox version through a series of updates and patches up to speed so that it catches up with the PlayStation and PC version. And that the other there, that was also partially intentional in the fact that the Rocket Labs and the, the hockey mode and everything else that you've seen in, in Rocket League that isn't the traditional football mode was added several months after the initial release of the game. And so we wanted to give our players uh, the same sort of... Uh, feeling out process that the original audience had where they understood the core game first and they knew how to play it. They knew what to do before we started throwing in all of these extra things that uh, might muddy the waters if they're unfamiliar with the game. You mentioned the the new Batmobile and we've already got the DeLorean. Mm -hmm. Is there a list of 
famous cars, shall we say, that are hopefully queued up to join the game. Um, Ecto One possibly for Ghostbusters, <laughs> uh, the A Team Van possibly, Knight Rider maybe. All of those are possible. The uh, we you know we're longtime fans of, of video games from from the last thirty forty years because we, we're just gamers in general. So there are a lot of video game oriented cars and and other vehicles out there that we think would be really cool in the game. And like everybody else, are, we, we're aware of a lot of iconic vehicles out there in in movies and television. So. The sky is the limit for us. The one thing that we are up against in regards to too many licensed vehicles or, or picking the right ones is that, we, number one, you don't want to inundate your game with too many cross-promotional uh, vehicles because you might there's the, the chance you can lose the identity of the game itself. You don't want to overdo it to the point to where we have 10 base cars that we've created ourselves and 15 or 20 licensed cars on top of it. It's not, it's not the same. It's not the same sort of feeling. So we want to treat the any licensed car or or other vehicle that we have in the game, we want to treat it as a special occasion, as something that feels like it's worth coming into the game and paying that extra $2 for. Uh, at the other challenge, even if we did identify something like we did with the Batmobile or the DeLorean that we want to bring in the game, it's not as easy as just saying, oh, we want this to be in the game. You have to work with the people who own that IP and you have to make sure that uh, you can respect their wishes and, and that the brand is properly represented and that the fans are happy because it feels like the car they expect to play with. So there's a lot involved in that. Uh, and then there's also the the fact that there are other vehicles and, and items and, and arena locations and things that we would want to work on that are original that we think would add a lot to the game as well. And uh, all of those resources, Psyonix itself is not very huge. I mean, we've the entire size of the company is less than 50 people, and that counts everyone from uh, our office manager to uh, our executive team to the QA side. So that's the entire size of the company. And uh, we need to make sure that we we work on the right things. And so uh, definitely possible, uh, but not promised as we continue to work on, on other features. We want to get it right. We want people to be excited about these things. Uh, and uh, But... We're definitely adding more cars in the future. Not necessarily licensed cars, but there are more vehicles and other things like that coming into the game. What version do you, would you say just now is the best version? Or would it be the PC version, obviously, or the Master Race, obviously? Or is it one of the console versions, like the PlayStation version, or even the new the new kid in the box, the Xbox version? Where do you feel, not the purest version, but where do you feel uh, the slickest version in the game can be found at the moment? Well, one of, the, I think, one of the advantages of the game, I think, is that depending on what console you support, it's really we've done whatever we could to make them perform as close as possible to each other. We re- we really do a lot to make them feel like there there's no noticeable difference. Uh, but there are differences between the platforms that we think cater towards the fans of that platform that make them stick out. Obviously, the Xbox version is not caught up in terms of the amount of content that the other two versions have, so it has that uh, disadvantage going for it at the moment. But it does have the two vehicles and the armadillo and the hog sticker, aka the warthog, that uh, that the other ones don't have. And it also has the three DLC packs that we released for free. So um, that and included in the package. And so that's an advantage that it has. On the PlayStation side, you have a massive user base. You have uh, a, it runs very well, and you have the sweet tooth side, uh, which makes PlayStation fans happy. And there are a couple of PlayStation exclusive items that are also in the garage. The PC side mirrors the P- the PS4 version pretty closely, 
but it does not have the PlayStation exclusive vehicles. However, you can uh, you can have the advantage of running it on a much more powerful machine on your PC than the other platforms, and you can crank your uh, FPS all the way up to 250 if you want. So there are different advantages and disadvantages to to all three. And PS4 and PC can play cross-platform with each other, so uh, that those don't hold advantages over each other either. We're doing whatever we can to make sure they're as close as possible. And and you know from from a company and development side, we 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 think it's better to just kind of do the best we can with all versions, and then let the fans decide which one they like best. And if we see any kind of glaring omission or issue with one of them, then uh, we'll do our best to to update it and make sure that it's as close as possible to the other two. We want them all to feel equal. We don't want them to feel like uh, there's some major advantage for owning one platform over another. Cool. The other thing I was going to ask was, is there kind of hidden Easter eggs in it? The only reason I ask this is because me and my mates were playing when we were up against the Top Gun team and we noticed Goose had a halo. And is there other stuff that players have yet to find in the game? Or is there kind of uh, stuff that you're hoping for players to find when they're playing the game? Uh, yes is the answer to all of that. The there, the goose thing is, is definitely a reference to Top Gun, as is the Halo. I mean that's that's all intentional. Um, the you'll you, you know you look around, you look at look at any of the season teams and the uh, the names of the AI bots, and you'll see a lot of references and, and similarities and, and themes amongst them. Uh, but there are a ton of there are a ton of Easter eggs in the game. We have secret codes. We have things hidden in the in the arena. We have uh, all sorts of references. There, there are a number of things that make the game uh, more interesting for players who've played it for a long time. And we even, you know, there are things that we that we add server side visually that uh, that we put in there every now and then that uh, people may or may not find. And uh, we we like to have fun and and see if anyone can discover these things. So I mean, there there's a lot to be found. There 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 are things that people haven't found yet, which is fantastic that it's eight months later. Uh, and not everyone has found everything to be seen. Recently, uh, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, somebody, or maybe it was a month ago, somebody finally found the uh, the little underground section that we had in our, uh, our our train station set up. No one realized it was there before. You can't drive to it in normal play, but if you hold the replay camera just right, you realize there's a whole hidden section under there. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that we put in the game, a lot of details that we put in there, and even in case you break it, there are places you can go where you discover things in there. We have references to other games we've worked on, uh, and so I mean, there's a lot to find. We plan on continuing to add Easter eggs as time goes along because we're we're big fans of video games and movies and television, and we know that a lot of our fans are also big supporters of of those. And we, you know, Rocket. That's why we have cross promotional stuff. That's why the Batmobile is in there and the DeLorean's in there. And we have so many cross-promotional video game things like um, like Twisted Metal, and we've had some Unreal stuff, and we have Oddworld things. These are it's because we know that fans appreciate seeing other items from from other games that they enjoy, and uh, we want to give people things like that for as long as we can. And our, our you know our our job as as game makers is to allow people to have fun and to not feel like. Uh, they're done because they've played the game for a few hours. We want people to always feel like there's a reason to come back to Rocket League, and and so we're not done with that. Uh, we're not done adding things by a long shot. And the last thing really is, what next for the studio? Well, hopefully in six months to a year's time, um, people will still be talking about Rocket League and and happy about it because it is a focus of the studio right now. Uh, any video game studio, uh, and this is true of us, before, during, and after Rocket League, we always have 
ideas for games. There, there are always things floating around. It doesn't mean that they actually ever become anything more than an idea or reach uh, certain uh, milestones or, or, or it's it's one of the interesting things if if people really just uh, in the general public who are fans really knew just how many ideas and game projects that most video game development studios have in mind most of the time it probably blow their mind um but that's you know that's really what um that's really just goes to the territory there's nothing to announce or we don't have any plans to announce anything in 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 the short term like that um but it doesn't mean that we're not exploring ideas uh, and we'll we'll always do that, but Rocket League is is certainly the focus right now, and um, there's still a lot we can do with that game. There are more arenas to add and more cars to add, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, all sorts of different modes that are interesting. Some of which we think uh, people are going to really enjoy when they eventually come out. There's the esports scene, which you asked us about earlier, which is also the same game as it is now, but looked at from a competitive level, which could add a lot of layers to the game. So we think there there's a lot of options. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll take the game as far as the community wants us to take it. And, and they want us to add certain things or um, be more aggressive in terms of adding certain types of things to the game. You know, we're going to we're going to look into that. and We're going to support it the best we can. Well, that's everything. That's me. That's me. All questions. So, I mean, Rocket League has been a runaway success. It's it's absolutely massive. And I think. The dedication the team have put in to trying to reach the widest audience possible, and to make it, you know, an experience that really is. Uh, I hate to to coin the PlayStation uh, slogan here, but it's for the players. I I like I like the approach that they're taking with you know with respect to putting it on PS Plus so they could reach a larger audience and making sure that it's um, on different platforms, cross-platform play as well, of course, which was uh, announced this week, last week. Yeah, it's. I mean, the whole thing's interesting, but I, I just love the development story because it reminds me of um, Call of Duty World at War and when they developed the zombies, that the thing they were all playing on their lunchtimes that they weren't really meant to be working on has become the runaway success of the series. And it, it's the same with these guys. They they just chucked a ball in to the game to see what would happen and it resulted in basically an, an eSports competition. It's fantastic. <laughs> It's fabulous, and and I mean, you you and I have both worked in academic research, and you know that the best the best data often comes from the most random throwaway experiments that you do. Yeah, yeah, just those things you're not <laughs> expecting to bear any fruit at all. You suddenly get an idea out of it, or something that drives you in the right direction. Um, so there you go. So. Rocket League is now available on the Xbox. If you're playing it on the Xbox, you can um, you can play with PC players or Xbox players. Hopefully, um, they'll tie it in with PlayStation players as well because it would be nice to have a game where you can genuinely play with anybody on any platform. And I think that is that's going to be a real defining thing for future console generations. If that's yeah. something that we can we can start doing now. Yeah, it is. Right, lovely. Let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> Okay, it's that part of the podcast where we have a look at some of the things that made us go, what the fudge? What's that? Some of the things that that made us do a double take this week. Um, One of them, I don't know why it's even on here, to be honest, because I'm not sure it was a double take. I think perhaps the only thing that surprised me was that it was still going. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought when I read it. Oh, it's still there. I thought that had gone a long time ago. Friends Reunited has been shut down. Oh... Nobody cares. Um, 
It's quite sad. It was a big. It was a thing. It was a huge thing. It, it, no, it was a massive thing. And uh, when you actually read back through the history and how much it, how much ITV paid for it, they bought it for a lot of money. Made those people very rich. It, yeah, it was very good. Um, and if anything, for some people, possibly around our age, it would have been a precursor to Facebook. Well, it certainly was. I mean, I didn't get Facebook until. I was doing postgraduate stuff. But French Reunited was well before mm. that. And, and of course, Facebook was just for university students as well at first. He needed a university address to sign up for it. Uh-huh. Mm. So, yes, French Reunited is shut. And, and genuinely, the big surprise is that it was still open. Um, but it's now gone. And that's a piece of internet history. That's how my wife but and I, I got back so. together, Friends Reunited. Was it really? Yeah, we um, we were friends at university. And... Uh, I think I sent her a message on Friends of United after we'd both graduated saying, I'm going to be in Sheffield for a conference. Do you fancy meeting up for a drink? And now we're married. So, yeah, there's uses that. There you go, you see. Excellent. Poor Friends Reunited. Uh, okay, uh, what what else is on here then? Well, the other thing that we've really seen, and, and we're not saying it's been a slow news fortnight, but there's not been that much. I think, outside many division articles. Um, but there was one thing that kind of caught our eye. And that's the Microsoft UWP. Ah, the Universal Windows Platform. Yes. Um, so there's been a bit of news about this Universal Windows Platform, and the idea is that um, basically anything that runs Windows 10... Microsoft have developed this, what they call Universal Windows Platform, UWP, which means that UWAs, we love three-letter acronyms, TLAs, oh. um, UWAs, which are Universal Windows apps, uh, which can run on different families of devices. So they're saying these these Microsoft families. So in there, you've got PC, Xbox, uh, mobile devices. You've got the stuff with all the Surface yeah. hubs and things like that. Yeah, so the idea is that if you're programming a Windows 10 piece of software. Each of these families will have different APIs in, and by coding in the different APIs, you can get your software to run very easily on different devices. It, it'll scale it to run on those devices, and it'll it'll change the way that users can interact with it so that it's appropriate for that device. But in theory, you can get a piece of software to run across multiple Windows devices with ease. Okay. It, it, to not do a disk service... It's a little bit like the Fox engine, <laughs> which scales and runs across multiple devices and hardwares and platforms. So I thought you were talking about something in-game then for a second that Otacon had developed. If I'd have something fictional. <laughs> I thought you were talking about fictional software. Um, but no, no, you're right. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. It can work across lots of different devices and things. Okay. Um, so it's a nice idea, and the idea is it, it's kind of come out with a bit of uh, a bit of a new story about it, saying, "Well, actually, this means that you can code games for the Xbox One uh, and make them Windows compatible by coding in the APIs and and you know setting minimum system requirements and right. things like that." So in future, um, if you buy a Windows PC game or an Xbox One game, you could run it on either or those systems. So. I don't think it's intended to be like a buy one, get one free kind of thing. I think the idea is that suddenly Xbox One exclusives can be very easily and accurately ported to PC, so they're they're available there. 
almost right. as a marketing tool for for PCs. Because I know the uptake for Windows 10 hasn't been perhaps as good as Windows had hoped. Has it not? Apparently not. That surprises me. Um, and I think this is the thing. I think they're looking to get it on more devices, and this is this is a reason for people to to update to upgrade to that. Right. Okay. Um, well, this is. A, I can see that selling point. It might push the home user. And then um, suddenly the waters become a little bit muddied when uh, Xbox's Phil Spencer comes out and says, uh, we believe we'll see more hardware innovation in the console space than we've ever seen. We'll see us come out with new hardware capability during a generation and allow the same games to run backwards and forwards compatible because we have UWAs, these are these universal Windows apps, running on top of UWP. It allows us to focus on hardware innovation without invalidating the games that run on that platform. That, to me, smacks of, yeah, we're going to be updating the Xbox One. Yeah, so it does feel like it. That's kind of upset a lot of Xbox One owners who are going, well, hold on, I've just bought this. I paid like 400 quid for this a couple of years ago, and now you're going to be telling me that it's not going to last the whole 10 years that the 360 did. Well, it's that comment. We'll see us come out with new hardware capability during a generation. Yeah, it does. It, well, it, so, whether whether that's a different model or plug-in requirements for you to run different things. So it's interesting. If it's a plug-in option, then that's that's good. Does it bring affordable updates? Is it something that could put the Xbox One ahead of competitors? Because suddenly we've got a scalable system just by plugging something into the USB port. Yeah. Or, you know, does it mean a new Xbox One model that's going to be modular? where you can swap things in and out. Are we going to have to buy a new modular Xbox One? But, but is that not just a Is PC it just then? wild speculation? Well, well, it's coming from Phil Spencer. <laughs> yeah. Now, we've seen the modular design of the Elite controller. So are they taking that logically another step to say, what could we upgrade in the Xbox One, which isn't necessarily a bad thing to do. So could we make it better for users without having to release a new console or without them having to spend another £400. But then does that stop current Xbox One users from having access to new games and software and features? I just wonder if it's the Sega CD all over again. Mm. That's my concern. (laughs) It's hard to say. Or is is it going to give rise to a very unique system um, that only a few people will have, like, I, I think, actually, you know, the, do you remember the Panasonic GameCube the, that no. had the built-in DVD player? No, I don't know. Um, they were like a limited run, so they were. it was additional functionality. Played, I think it played GameCube games. Was yes, it, no, it, I it do remember GameCube, that now. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that now, yeah. Um, and I'm sure there was a place, I'm sure there was a PlayStation 2 that was a little bit different as well, that... Um, but they were very, very limited runs. They were very specific. They were quite pricey to buy. They were only for specific people. But you got a little bit more out of them. Is it a bit like that? That they're going to target the market that want to do that? That are also, to be honest, have the money to spend on that kind of frivolity that yeah. most people don't? I mean, I think, let's be honest, it's Spencer's comments on hardware innovation that have captured people's attention. And I think, in a way, they've They've drawn away from the points about UWP, from the the scalability and the the ease of being able to, you know, put things on different platforms yeah. when you're initially coding it without having to do ports. I think UWP sounds like a brilliant idea. Yeah, I was um, chuck, just chuck something in that's popped into my head. Did the UWP UWA 
Is that just not like the Apple ecosystem on iOS? So whatever you design for um, an iPhone also works on an iPad, works with Apple TV. Yeah, but uh, yeah, with iOS, but it doesn't it doesn't go across to Mac. So they're missing you know? that link. Yeah. Into so another that, piece of the hardware. It's okay. that, and it's you know, it's it's also that bringing the console in line with it as well. Potentially, do you mm. open up a whole new world of apps and games and other things that you can do with your console? Yeah. Then you know, uh, lots of things that could use the snap feature of the Xbox One could be interesting. I yeah. people, I think. Well, I mean, uh, on Facebook, Matthew Holloway said, "I don't like it." Uh, they're trying to turn console gamers into PC gamers with controllers. Uh, I can swing the money on a console purchase because I'm guaranteed not to have to update it, uh, do it again for five to ten years. With hardware updates every two years or so, I might as well have bought a PC. Yeah, it's got a point. I, I can't. I can't disagree with that. So I think the long and the short of it is, I don't think the Xbox One is going to become obsolete anytime soon. No. But it's this forwards compatibility is the interesting part. Are they are they going to bring out games that will run on the Xbox One, but that are a paired-back experience using this UWP? That's got to be a worry. That has to be a worry for people, that they're going to lose the experience they were buying into. On the other hand, and this is purely hypothetical, so... You know, in, in late last year, was it November, we saw the Xbox One being updated. So it's now essentially a Windows 10 platform. Yeah. Could they do the same with the 360? Could we could we start to see Xbox One games running in a scale-back form on the 360? That's an interesting point. Because theoretically, unless there's something terribly wrong with the architecture, I presume they could do it. There's a question, a business question on why you would do it. A lot of 360s out there, huge install base. You know, if people are buying uh, digital copies or copies that, well, it wouldn't even need to be a digital copy, I guess, if it if it just, you know, uses specific APIs. Yeah. It'd be a case of putting it in, loading it up, and, and it should recognize what device you're playing it on. Yeah, but it's the, if I've got a big 360 install base out there and I'm phasing out that production because I've got my Xbox One, I want people to upgrade and spend the money and make my Xbox One install base a big install base. I, I suppose there is that, but you're you're only producing one disc, so you reduce your production costs. Disc, you, disc production, uh, comparatively, yeah, I wouldn't have thought factored in for, uh, the, but, for the cost of that. But there's also the fact that if somebody's playing a pared-down version of a game on a 360 and they think, do you know what, I do really like this, it's, it almost serves as a a very as an expensive demo you know actually i want to i want to invest in a better version of this i might mm. pick up that xbox one i don't know it's, it it's might, a, it, it's it a hypothetical I, you know i i don't even know if it's possible or it probably is just pie in the sky but it's an interesting thought it's no it is it is they could they could potentially lead some people that way very much yeah absolutely or i do want the full version of this with all the bells and whistles, move into it. If it's fully scalable, as long as you're designing for the designing for the most recent hardware, so that you're not holding back features, because you've got to make it work on every platform. Yeah. Then, maybe it's got a lot of legs. Well. <laughs> that's that's my two pence. Let us know what you think. Why don't you? Uh, 
drop us a tweet to at Codec Moments, or you could even email us, contact-us at codecmoments.com. Get in touch on our Facebook group. There's loads of ways. It's yeah, good. let us know what you think about it. And do you um, agree, disagree, or couldn't care what <laughs> Xbox do? Because, yeah, do you own a PlayStation 4 and you don't really give a yeah. Or, or what, what do you think the impact would be on the PlayStation 4 if Xbox did this and it succeeded? Yeah, if yeah, I suppose if they're able to bring out you know cheap hardware iterations that can just be modular, plugged in, does yeah. that is that threatening? Yeah. Or are we, or are you as a PlayStation 4 user not actually that bothered about games working cross-platform because we've had cross-play for years? <laughs> and is this just a case of Xbox catching up with everyone else, just maybe going one step further? Touche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let us know. One of the things we meant to talk about when we met on the 4th was the price announcement for the HTC Vive. We had it on the show notes and we got to the end and stopped recording and went, oh, we missed that part because it's a frankly ludicrous price. Seeing as we've now turned this into a monster three-hour podcast, it was seven. It was about £700, wasn't it? £700. And that doesn't include the high-end PC that you need to run it from. We were going to have a little bit of discussion about that and Oculus Rift. Obviously, with Oculus coming in a little bit cheaper. And we were going to do some wild speculation on the price of the PlayStation VR. And I, I said it will probably be about the same price as the console if they're going to be sensible with it. That was that was my prediction. And it's come out at 350 Yes, so pretty much same price as the console. It's it's a bit cheaper than um, the console was at launch, but it's in it's in that ballpark. Which I suppose it's it's high tech stuff. It's never going to be cheap, but it's significantly cheaper than the Oculus and the Vive. So, with that in mind, if my wife is listening to this, can you just turn it off and go and do something else for a couple of minutes? I think she's gone. Yeah, I've I've pre-ordered it. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> I'd have to hide that from your wife. <laughs> so full disclosure, I pre-ordered it at Shop 2 because they weren't asking for a deposit. So I can always cancel it later and it's easier to do that than it is to find stock if if there's a mad run on it. Yeah, I ordered from the same place um, and as a silver member I got a 3% discount so it seemed like a sensible place to do it. Does, does that mean you got like £3.50 off? Yeah, it was somewhat, somewhat small but something's better than nothing. <laughs> It's not quite as grand as I was expecting. Yeah, I, I can't remember how much it was exactly. Uh, oh, it's about about tenner. I think it was about tenner off. So, I, I mean, you're excited now because I'm I'm starting to get excited. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little bit aloof about the whole thing. I think it's the price that's done it for me because I, th- I, I kind of sort of said to myself, well, if it's in the region of three fifty, maximum four hundred, I'd I'd go for one because I really want to. I really want it to work. And I'll be prepared to early adopt and see how it goes. And then it's come out at 350. And they said, obviously, you'll need the camera and you'll need the PlayStation Move, which I have those things because I got the camera with the launch of the machine and I had Move on the PS3. So I've had those things kicking around doing nothing. So I've now got a use for them and it's in the price range. So it's like, yeah, no brainer. I want it. Let's do it. And then I've started seeing the titles that are being announced as well. And I'm I'm not seeing anything that's disappointing me at the moment. So what's um what's drawing you then to the titles? Because I've got I've got a few in front of me, and I'm um there's Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, 
And that one, after after how much I enjoyed Until Dawn, that was, yes. It, it's an on-rail shooter, I think. But I'm pretty sure it'll be good. Um, now, we've, we've seen the, the kind of tech demos of the, the Getaway London heist. Do we think that's... Um that's going to be a full game experience or an interactive? In, interactive. I'll be fair, I'm not quite as interested in that one. Um, I've seen the footage and I thought, yeah, yeah, well, I'll play it, but I'm not really there. Um, Project Cars, um, any fully immersed racing game where you can look around inside the cockpit, that, um, that's intriguing. And I want to see how Gran Turismo works. Sport, Drive Club VR as well. Well, I, I have to be honest, it's Gran Turismo and one other title that has sold me more than anything else. That, yeah, Gran Turismo, I just, as soon as I saw that, that's when I went straight to the website and pre ordered. Um, and the other one is Res. Oh, okay. Because I loved Res on the PS2. It's a, it was a fantastic game. And um, they showcased it, was it at TGS last year? Um, with the guy in the flashing suit um, but I just thought that would be an immense experience in VR um, There's a couple here which I'm uh, I'm intrigued by I'm intrigued by the um, the Star Wars Battlefront VR experience that could be interesting Yeah, if, if that's playing Hoth in full VR that's going to be pretty special There's a game called The Deep which I am hoping is going to be an interactive tour of the world's first submarium in Hull. That would be possibly the greatest <laughs> game ever, but I don't think it is. I think that <laughs> is that the one where you go down in a shark cage and get attacked. I I have literally no idea. I'm, uh, I, I haven't be, prepared that well for this. It might be um, um my girlfriend's biggest fear is sharks, so I know full well she won't be able to go at that one. I think the one thing I'm looking forward to most, though, is 100-foot robot golf. <laughs> I haven't actually seen that one. Uh, which is pretty much as it's described. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Is, that the, is it where you are actually stepping amongst buildings to play golf? It is It's quite literally. You, you play a 100-foot tall robot and you um, you play golf amongst the buildings in the city. That could be cool. It's like, it's like crazy golf. Proper, properly mental golf. Yeah. Um, the next Ace Combat game is going to be VR, apparently. Yeah, I mean, we, let's be honest. We're going to be inundated with driving games and flight simulators because yeah. it, it lends itself from a seated position to that. It does. Um, the, the one that hasn't been announced, which fingers and toes crossed it is, is No Man's Sky. I would love that to be VR. That'd be really impressive, actually. That would be. And if there's No Man's Sky, I do wonder, are Rockstar going to patch it in for GTA Five? Do, uh, do you think it could run it? I don't know. I, I really don't know. It, it depends what the clever bit of post-processing that the little box does that links to your PS4. Because um, I think Sony have said it, it can run most things quite comfortably because it doesn't it doesn't do all the processing in the goggles it doesn't do all the processing in, in the ps4 it shares tasks that would actually be quite frightening having you switching back to trevor and waking up in one of his episodes in full vr with a headset on no oh, that'd just be that'd be an experience you wouldn't forget <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've gotten really into the first person view in GTA 5, so I, I would quite enjoy the VR experience. 
Yeah, I'm 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 getting excited. Yeah, and the fact it's going to be out in October. I know we're we're still waiting for a date. Um, I imagine the date will be decided once we've seen the scale of the pre-orders and what they can service. I just hope it's well supported, and I hope it's not you know, I hope it's not Move slash the PlayStation camera slash the Vita all over again. No, I, I'm hoping that. And um, the only way it's not going to be is if people buy it. And they've, I think they've managed to catch just the right wave of publicity with um, Oculus and Vive announcing... Um, Oculus is actually out now, isn't it? Officially. Yeah. So the fact that they've those units are out in the wild, you've got the Samsung VR, you've got Google Cardboard and many um, imitations of that. So the, there's a lot of interest in it. There's more talk of 360-degree videos in YouTube... Um, the PlayStation VR is going to support Netflix, I understand. So you'll be able to watch movies via it. Um, oh, that'd be good. That which should be pretty impressive. So I think, I think as long as they keep the marketing up, and so people understand what it's going to bring for them to their living room, and that it's a good price, it it might get an install base pretty quickly. And doesn't end up being a niche like some of the other things you've mentioned. Well, fingers crossed. Let us know um, if you've been listening to this, if you're thinking that we're crazy pre-ordering the PlayStation VR. Uh, are you thinking about getting it yourself? Or have you settled on the um, the Oculus Rift or the HTC Vive? Uh, you can email us, contact hyphen us at codecmoments.com if you really want to get stuck in and, uh, and let us know what you want to say. Or uh, drop us a tweet to at codecmoments. Or um, oh, or Facebook. Yeah, or go Facebook. find us yeah, on don't Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> okay, is that is that covered it? Do we think? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Excited, pre-ordered, roll on October. We've got Codec Momentum to cover, and if you remember what we started with February's Codec Momentum, is we implemented Finisher. Finisher. So if you pledged a game to take from your pile of shame, complete it, and 100% finish it, whether that's all trophies, achievements, or just getting the 100% of the game, whatever it is, if you did that and are drawn out of the hat as our monthly winner, we would double your prize money value. That sounds like a very good deal. It does. It does. And we had a lot of people pledge finishers for this month. We did, actually. Yeah, we did. We didn't have a lot of people complete those finishes. That really, really separated the wheat from the chaff, didn't it? It did. Um, in, in fact, it's it's an interesting one to see how many people take those finishes and roll them into the following month, see if they can complete them at that point. But I think we should cover the finishes first, because I was most impressed. And after our legal counsel got involved last time, we have to do this correctly. So we've got to do it right, we've got to do it by the numbers. We've got to do it correctly. So our first ever finisher was the Jedi... No, I'm only joking. It was Stu Cullen at Fiori AC3, um, and he did Lego Jurassic World. And he finished that February momentum, done 100%. Brilliant work, Stu. Our second, and for this month, final, was the Jedi Junkie, who did Drive Club. We really only get two. We only got two finishers for the month. That's well, as, as Sebastian would say, that is terrible. Now, we got lots of other Codec Momentum successes, but it was only two 
pledged and did hashtag finisher. With you now, with you now. You so, their, so their names are going into the hat. And well, if one, they're, of, if they're one already of them is, in the hat. If one of them is pulled out, then it's it's double or nothing. They're double. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So we need to add more names to that hat. Okay. Who are we going to add? Who are we going to add? So we're going to add, and I, for my money, this is the hardest working person in games in February. At Psalm 67, and I bet most people will never thought they'd have heard that sentence. Um, <laughs> he pledged four games, Uncharted Drake's Fortune, Until Dawn, The Walking Dead Season 2, and Tales from the Borderlands. And he did all of them. Good work, sir. Well done. Completed every single one. Fantastic. Then we, then we had last month's finisher. Well, sorry. That's last month's Codet Momentum winner. We didn't have finisher at that point. At Mike Tack Films, he did Dishonored the Definitive Edition. Oh, good. Yep. And then we had the ever-faithful at Nick Hulk, who did Lego Marvel's Avengers, and then at the very last minute threw in Planes 2 Fire and Rescue. He didn't do, and I think it's because he did say he's getting fed up of it and a bit bored of it, he didn't do Disney Infinity 3.0, The Force Awakens playset. But as soon as he finished two other games this month... Cracking work. Is it is it wrong that I quite want to play Planes 2 Fire and Rescue now? It sounds great. I'd be left asking what it's like. He's done it. He's completed it. So give him a shout. So fortunately, that means we have actually got quite a lot of non-finishers this month and non-codec momentum successful completions. I'm not going to shout you all out because we don't want to knock your momentum. But if you want to carry it forward into March and haven't let us know already, because I know some of you guys have already done that, just tell us and we'll roll it over. Yeah. Still get those games off your pile of shame. Absolutely. Um, we, we've been called on something as well. Oh, no. There were, there were two names conspicuously absent from this month's Code 8 Momentum. Would that be us? Me and you? Yeah, that'd be us. Yeah, uh, we were we were called by somebody who <laughs> who threw in planes to fire and rescue. Yeah, but he but he did it. Yeah, he did it. But in fairness, I didn't pledge anything this month because I didn't have anything on my pile of shame. Well, how very smug of you! Yeah. Um, I did finish like four other games this month. Okay, what about the following? That only came out this month. <laughs> Do I need to remind you of our own rules? <laughs> Pile of Probably shame we, games. We, we seem Pile to change them every games. week. Shh, shh, don't tell anyone else that. Um, okay. So, yeah, we weren't on this month. We've rectified it for March. And okay. so for that, we are going to tell you exactly what we're doing for March. For the record, I do have a part of shame, but I've just been really busy with real life and work during February. So, uh, like I said, little and, little and often. <laughs> So what are you going to take off that pile of shame for March? Okay, this month I am going to play Rise of the Tomb Raider. Excellent. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna even though I'm blatantly lollygagging with all these optional tombs and games I keep playing. I think you'll get through it. Confidence. Um and I'm gonna do Uncharted Drake's Deception because I want to finish the remastered collection before the next game comes out. That's good. What else? Who else has pledged? So we've got 
Kelly Ho and Square Freak. I know Kelly Ho, there's a lot of numbers after your Twitter handle, um, but Square Freak as well, you guys have rolled your February momentum forward and already let us know that. Pretty much the same with that Revitar, um, who's rolled Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which actually was a January one, but he's not got around to doing it yet. Um, back again, Jedi Junkie. He's going for Rocket League this time around with a finisher tag on it. Cool. And... Not to shirk from a task at all, at Psalm 67, has really put in The Witcher 3. He's going to finish that. He's been The Witcher 3. Yeah. GTA Vice City, which, you know, it's not not a short game. It's not the world's longest game, but it's not a short game. And And Fallout 3. And Fallout 3. Has he been hacked? No, I don't think so. The genuine. So, good luck with all of those. He's had a bump on the noggin. Yeah, he's, maybe he's thinking there's extra couple of days this month. <laughs> <laughs> Crack fallout through. Come on then, Sol, um, prove us wrong. Yeah. And we've also got Nick Hulk, who has already finished his first one. Um, he said he was going to do Steins Gate, and he's done that one. And he's also pledged Transformers Devastation. He's also got a very cool PS Vita case. Yeah, like that kind of hard shell protective cover. It makes it look a bit like a Pip-Boy. It does. Head to the Codec Momentum page on the website and um, you'll see what we're talking about Mm. under the March tab. It's the first picture on the the pledges. Right, okay, well that's good. I like that. Yeah, so the only thing we're left to do on Momentum this month then is draw our winner. Well, I'll let you do it this time. Okay, so have we got the hat of names? Yes, hold on. We did have it, but I misplaced it. What have you done with it? Where's the hat of names? I don't know. I've actually genuinely lost it. Ah. Right. Hat. Names. Hat of names. What have we got? We've got a drum roll? Uh, I I can make one. Hold on. Right. You want a what? Yep. Go. And it is... At Psalm 67. Yay! So congratulations, Com. All that hard work has paid off this month. Well done. Oh, good work. Okay. Right, so, keep um, coming in. Uh, Andy will be in touch soon to part with some money. Okay, so last time we spoke about my route master, um, I was about 100 miles behind. Yeah, that feels about right. So um, I've not tallied up today's yet, but... Um, I was doing really well at the start of February. I'd I'd started to chip away at that and um, catch up a bit. Um, and then I had a big thing with work and I had to be away for a little while. And then beginning of March, I was ill. Um, so I am actually still, I think I'm just under 100 miles behind as of today. And I've still got the rest of March. So I want to be at 612 miles by uh, by the end of March, and I'm at, I'm at about 512 today. That's not bad. It, it could have slipped further behind. Yeah, so I've I've managed to avoid that. So I'm still in this. Yeah, I'm still in this. <laughs> That's good news. That is good news because I was worried you were going to say, "And with illness, I'm now 300 miles behind." No, well, and and I'll be honest. I've had a little bit of incentive because um, I've been working for a company. I've been working for a uh, I've been working for a Danish pharmaceutical company called Novo Nordisk. Uh, and they have a program running called Novo Health. 
where they're trying to encourage people to take a little bit more action. And as part of that, they've given all of the people who work with them Fitbits (laughs) on a company scale. I I heard about a US company um, that did something like that last year and set up internal team competitions for um, steps. So that's that's what's been going on, and I'll be honest, that is um, that's re- that's been a really good incentive um, this month. No, great news. I'm glad uh, I'm glad that's picked up again because there was there was a bit of a concern. It was it was kind of dying to death. Uh, no, no, I'm still uh, still going. Uh, so um, yeah, that's 500 miles. That's a that's a bit of a milestone. Yeah, it is. It is. You need around that puts me at. That puts me at less than 2,000 miles left to go now. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. How long have you got till, did we say, end of the year? Yeah, yeah. So we've got the, got the year to go. Doable, then. I reckon. I've just got to, um, I've just got to keep it up next month and, uh, and claw back that 100 miles I've, I've been behind. <laughs> so I digress. Um, okay, so that's that. So uh, if you've got any advice, I've been trying to. I've been trying to use. Having got a Fitbit now, I've been trying to use a thing called Fit RPG to for gamification of my uh, of my distance walked and stuff. But it's it's. I can't really get it to work. So if you've got any um, tips or advice or good uh, good apps or any kind of gamification that I can use to uh, keep me incentivized, let us know. Drop us a. Drop us a tweet to at Codic Moments or you can tweet me directly at Clinical Andy. Okay, so um, am I, am I going to am I going to put in the it's time for another Codic Core quiz or am I going to make you your own? Um, let's see what you think. <laughs> see whether so, we actually go through with this or not. So a month ago, a month ago, Matthew was complaining that I only ever get to do the quizzes, um, and I yeah. reminded him it's because he's a lazy b-er and he doesn't he doesn't ever made one. Yeah, it's all that time I spend playing games and writing reviews. Um, it doesn't give me quiz opportunity. Well, you want to do what I do and not do either. <laughs> <laughs> so this month's quiz I've put together for you. Oh, oh, that's an exciting twist. And it's not so much. a a quiz is maybe a little bit of a challenge. Okay, sounds and intriguing. I have, I have no idea how this is going to work, so I'm going to rattle through it really quickly and hope it comes off. That's so what we, she said. <laughs> so, <laughs> we were having a bit of a conversation in Hangouts this week. We were. I think I know where this is going. And you put out there that you would do anything to avoid Killzone Shadowfall, but you won't do that very much in the vein of Mr. Loaf and his <laughs> 1990s exceptionally long song Meat to his friends yes so I started thinking what things would you do to avoid playing Killzone <laughs> Shadowfall and what won't you oh god and I've got a few examples here and I'll, I'll give you an easy one off the top <clears throat> because I think you'd go for this and you'd do this it's also something I definitely can't arrange so, would you DJ the corporate Christmas party for Google using only your Mac, iPhone, and playing Steve Jobs' oh. favourite vinyl? Oh, God, yes. Instead of playing Shadowfall? Yeah, definitely. You would? Yeah. Thought so. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Well, I can't arrange that one, so. Could I, could I get an iPad Pro? 
if it would help you do it. <laughs> yeah. I'd be there, yeah, definitely. Okay. Could I um could I blatantly be searching for things using Bing? Yes. <laughs> yes, you could. <laughs> okay. Right. So yeah, Shadowfall loses out to that option. Alright, then probably one maybe a little tricky. Would you rather get the platinum trophy on Hannah Montana? Oh yeah. You, you provide me with a copy of Hannah Montana, I will platinum that rather than play Killzone Shadowfall again. Okay. Yeah. Definitive answer on that. Oh yeah. I bring on Hannah. Okay. Yeah. Keep that thought. <laughs> what about what's in your bag? <laughs> <laughs> what about adding one hundred miles to your Route Master Challenge? I did stupidly say something like that, didn't I? Oh, you said something about removing mileage. If no, you, you said something about I, removing. Well, right. I, I said yeah, removing I'll, miles. I'll add, I'll add so You would miles. add 100 yeah. miles to avoid playing Kills on Shadowfall. I'll do that, yeah. So oh, f- so far, of the three yeah. things that we've said, DJing Corporate Christmas Party, which in yeah. fairness, I'd quite want to do that, um, getting the Platinum Trophy on Hannah Montana, or adding 100 miles to your Rootmaster Challenge, you would rather do any of those to avoid playing Kills on Shadowfall. Definitely, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right then. What about writing the Rainbow Six Siege review? Yeah, I probably should do that, if I'm honest, <laughs> rather than playing Killzone Shadowfall. So that's another one. Yeah. This isn't quite going as I expected. I'm hoping there might have been a glimmer <laughs> of, yeah, I'd rather do Shadowfall than that. No, no. I mean, the Rainbow Six review is... is it's, it's there. It's just not... It's just not there. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> Fingers haven't gone to keyboard. <laughs> it's just one of yeah. It's just one of those things. The boat. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you'd rather write a review? Oh, oh okay. yeah. Right then. I'm hoping these two will be a little bit more interesting. You'd do anything to avoid playing Kills and Shadowfall. Anything. But would you let Rose choose an outfit for your next interview? <laughs> Whether that's days, months, or years away. Does it matter which country it's in? It doesn't matter. It's whatever okay. your next interview happens yeah. to be. Yeah. Will I let my daughter pick an you outfit for Let it? your daughter pick your interview outfit. Did you, uh, did, can we just clarify some uh, variables here? Yeah. Uh, does Does she have to pick from my clothes? Ooh. She's, she's just got this one particular teal cardigan at the moment that she's obsessed <laughs> with and it's all she ever wants to wear and, and if you said pick some clothes I'm sure that's the first thing she'd go for no, it wouldn't she, fit me she has to pick from your wardrobe okay yeah I, I, you see I could but your full wardrobe not a limited selection of three suits no totally <laughs> absolutely but I am what you have to remember is that I'm quite a manipulative father and I, I could probably get her to pick a suit uh, well we, we could probably rig this to get Lucy B with Rose to pick so would you Oh, she's a lawyer. You know how manipulative they are. I know what she'd do to you. <laughs> would I? Would I do that? I really want to say yes, but I, I, I'm not sure you'll actually hold me to it. <laughs> so, would you do that to avoid playing kills on Shadowfall? I've, I've. Oh, do you know? I'm borderline. I might. Yeah, I might. I might do. You might do. I it. might do. Yeah. Okay, last yeah. one then. I mean, I'm a CRA for goodness sake. Of all the things hung up in my wardrobe, none of them are going to be that terribly drastic if I have to go to an interview. So I have to make sure you get your Metal Gear Solid t-shirts hung up in there. And 
Yeah, they're all tucked away out of her reach. <laughs> okay, so that's borderline. Borderline, but yeah. you probably would. I might do, yeah. Okay, sure. trust my daughter, my 18-month-old daughter. I'm sure she could pick me a good outfit combination. So the final one, then? Yeah, go on. So you'd do anything to avoid playing Killzone Shadowfall. Yeah. But would you do your next clinical site visit using Brian as your interpreter? Oh, no. <laughs> no. I probably wouldn't. Just trying to think when does it is, is cope when no, actually, interestingly enough, it is in Hull. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you mean like full on glove puppet? I mean full on Brian as yeah. your interpreter. No, that would probably be a stretch too far professionally, if I'm <laughs> honest. <laughs> well at least we got to one. <laughs> We found your limit. Okay, I would, I would rather play Killzone Shadowfall than speak to a senior consultant in endocrinology using a glove puppet as my mouthpiece. Fair enough. There we go. We got there. We got there. So your challenge for next month. <laughs> right. No. Um. We want to kill the Shadowfall debate completely we want, we want to get rid of it snap the disc okay so there are, there are two op- I think there are two options here that I would like to put out on Twitter and Facebook for votes okay okay we'll let the people decide whichever one they pick if you do it we will forget Shadowfall even existed in your collection right okay and I think we've got to go with sensibly I think we've got to go with write the Rainbow Six Siege review okay like it yep and I'm thinking that the other one is, it's your platinum trophy on Hannah Montana. <laughs> I will buy you a copy of Hannah Montana if the public decide this. Okay, so it's the choice so is... The choice is either write the Rainbow Six Siege review yep. or platinum trophy in Hannah Montana. <laughs> we will put the poll up on Twitter and Facebook for seven days after the podcast goes live. Okay. Um, whichever one they select, let's say it's complete by the time we record the next end of month podcast. Okay. Because fingers crossed that should give you about three weeks okay. to do one or the other. Okay, I'll do that. And if, <laughs> if you do either of those, we'll pretend Shadowfall doesn't exist. In fact, would you even give Shadowfall away to a lucky listener? Oh yeah, absolutely. They can have it. Right. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so get voting because i think this is how we're going to get rid of the t-shirt as well oh right okay i've I've just decided this is bumper prize okay so everybody who takes part facebook or twitter will throw you in the hat and if you pick the option or well in fact no sorry if you just take part whatever option andy ends up having to do and completes you'll get a copy of kills and shadowfall on ps4 disc and a metal gear solid rising revengeance t-shirt to one, to one lucky winner. To one, not to anybody winner. who votes. No, not to everybody. No, no, one lucky winner out of everybody who votes in um, Andy's Shadowfall forfeit. Fabulous. I feel, I feel special. <laughs> You're smiling a lot at the moment. That's, yep. that's, that could have been so much worse. I've always, oh, why didn't I go with Brian? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was a fair that was a fair list. Okay, that was good. You escalated that very well. It's taking some. It's taking some work. We even got your wife involved at one point. <laughs> what did she come up with? I'm intrigued now. Oh no, we'll save that. I can't possibly put it on air. Oh my god! <laughs> right. 
Thank you very much, Lucy Brown. Right, okay. Good. That's it. Okay, so that's that's it. We've um we've done another one. Well, it's technically two. We've done We've been a bit basically epic. two we've done now. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks if you managed to sit down and listen to all of it in one sitting. It's much appreciated. Uh, get in touch. Let us know what you've been playing. Let us know what you think about the VR experiences. Let us know if you've pre-ordered or if there's no way you're pre-ordering. Um, yeah, if you were deeply affected by the uh, closing of Friends Reunited or um, if you've got any views on uh, the Microsoft UWP thing that we were talking about, then um, let get in touch as well. Yeah. yeah. Let us know. Right. Do we Do we need to give any other information? Yeah, just that you've got until midnight on the 31st of December to finish your Codic Momentums. Please remember that when you've done them to tweet us a pic of um, the game completion screen or the final trophy screen or whichever is appropriate, um, you can send us the photo via your camera, you can take a PlayStation screenshot and send it from the machine, um, whichever way you want to do it, as long as you send us some form of photographic evidence that it's complete. Then you'll get a badge. Lovely, perfect. And one last thing. Oh, yeah. Just whilst I'm thinking of badges. If <laughs> Northern Monkey is listening, um, I DM'd you, could you send me your address? Because we can't send you a badge without it. Oh, yeah. Make sure you let us know where you live. Otherwise, it's really hard for us to send you Codec Momentum badges. I, I could bring it to Sheffield and throw it in the middle of town. Um, there's no guarantee you'd find it then. It would be, it'd be a bit random. It would. Brilliant. Right, okay. So that wraps it up for uh, another another episode. Uh, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.